Welcome to Love and Power, An Unexpected Gift by author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Join us for this Women Inseparable study as we learn what it means to be filled with love and power. Here's Jacqueline. Supposedly, or apparently, I don't know, whatever word, I didn't say anything about this book last week. Welcome to Love and Power Week 2. It's our first time that we officially have a, uh, we've always had a steady guide, but our steady guide this session is a published work. It is available on Amazon. So if you have friends that are doing this in other states and they are interested in getting it, they can order it today on Amazon. And it could be at their door, <laughs> depending on if they pay. <laughs> I don't have an account with Amazon, and my friends tease me for how long it takes for something to get to my door. Um, anyway, you can get this. We have some in the back if you are interested in a copy. You do not have to have this book to do a women inseparable study. The Bible. So much better. I do use the ESV when I write and when I teach. What you use is perfect and wonderful. Um, anything that we talk about in this study of love and power, there's going to be words expressed. There's going to be challenges given. There's going to be thoughts shared. And if I can preface um, today's study and this couple months that sit before us with this sentence. Some things will be said that are needed for some hearts. Did you hear that sentence? There are some things that will be said that will be needed for some hearts. There will be some things that are said that will mean nothing to some hearts. It's so important. It's so important to know where your heart is, which is why I love the way God started our study. Do you love the way God started our study? Amen. Where's your heart? God, where's your heart? Because what we do from this point on for the next couple of months only matter with you and with God. So if something is said and you're like, ah, that doesn't resonate with me or I'm not there. Those are not my adjectives. I can't relate to that. I'm not there. I used to be there. I'm not there anymore. Whatever it is, will you set that statement aside? And just know we're adult women. We know when something applies to us and we know when it doesn't. If it doesn't, will you pray for the woman that's in this room that it does? That's a strong Christian woman right there. Sometimes we hear things that are said when we want to say, hmm, that's for the younger Christian mentality. Have you ever done that? Oh, I remember when I didn't know where Galatians was in the Holy Word. And we, sometimes we grow in our walk with the Lord and we forget to remember that there are other people growing in their walks with the Lord. And sometimes we've walked far with the Lord and we forgot our first love. And we're all on different spectrums every day. Sometimes it feels like our spectrum changes. Know where you are right here, right now. And if something is said that does not affect your relationship with your God and God's relationship with you, will you pray the presence of the Holy Spirit upon the heart that needs it? We might know by name. We know each other in, in this room, partly. We'll learn the other ones that we don't know fully. Sometimes you'll know by name. Oh, oh, this friend of mine needs that sentence. So pray by name. Father God, speak. 
speak peace and comfort and mercy upon that heart right now. Some of us have no idea what's going on in any other seat in this room. The Holy Spirit does. So just pray over one another. Can I ask that? If your strength is not strong enough to pray for another person, and you're wondering if your strength is even strong enough to pray for yourself, will you pretend as if not one other human is in this room? You have full permission to be so selfish. Be so selfish. Erase everyone and sit in the throne room of God. Fair? My name is Jacqueline Palmer. For those that are new, for those who are here for the first time, welcome to Women Inseparable. I pray that it's a wonderful, wonderful um, home for you. Let's open in prayer. Oh, Father God, I thank you. I thank you so much for being our God. I thank you for being our creator. I thank you. I thank you for your gift of mercy and your gift of comfort. Father God, I pray that you'll open our eyes to what that feels like from you, from your perspective. I pray that you'll be with us as we look upon your son, Jesus Christ, today. Lord, it's always an honor to speak of my Jesus on the cross. It's always so big, it's always so simple, and it's always so profound and so personal. I pray, Father God, that you'll meet each of us where we are. I pray that you'll hold our hearts. I pray that we will hold your heart. I pray that we'll fall in love with you, Jesus Christ. I pray that we will fall in love with you. Lord Jesus, I pray for the person that doesn't know, know who Jesus is. I pray salvation upon a heart of a heart that's lost, a heart that has questions about who who God is, who Jesus is. I pray salvation will be spoken over that sweet woman today, and I pray that she will receive that gift of salvation and clarity and wisdom and understanding today. And I pray for those of us that do know you, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. Help us to fall, fall so sweetly in love with you. This is my prayer today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we got very far in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 last week, this is how far we got. We started in verse 3 and we read the words, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a personal challenge this last week and that personal challenge was spend 24 hours with your God. With your God, with this sentence, blessing and pouring your praise upon God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And from the expressions on faces and the nods of familiarity, hate that word, I wasn't the only one that took on that challenge. It's a sweet challenge. If you did not do the challenge, not a big deal. Welcome to Women Inseparable. This is your study. You do what works for you. This is between you and God, not anything that comes from this chair. This is you and your Savior. We're going to continue on in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 1, but we're not going to get too far in 2 Corinthians 1. I do want to put this challenge for the heart that is ready to receive this. If you have the ability and the time and the strength to bring the book of 2 Corinthians into your relationship with God this week, bring 2 Corinthians into your relationship with God this week. If that's, if that's something that God's saying, that this is you and me. If God isn't saying this is you and me, don't do it. Sometimes our flesh wants to do spiritual things. 
because it makes us feel spiritual. Don't do that. But if God is saying, this is, this is you and me, hun, let's do 2 Corinthians together, then do that. Do you see that separation? 2 Corinthians is an amazing book, and it starts with mercy, and it starts with comfort, and Paul goes through and gives his personal story of where he needed mercy and where he needed comfort, and you'll see the details of that in like chapter 2 and chapter 7, and you'll see his physical woes, but it's, it wasn't his physical woes, his earthly woes that he needed mercy and comfort. That's what's amazing to me in this letter. A lot of us know a lot about Paul. Paul was beaten a couple of times. He was shipwrecked a time or two. He had a lot of health issues internally and put upon him. But it wasn't his, his earthly physical woes that he was crying out to God for mercy and comfort. That's amazing to me. And the reason is, is because Paul knew how to look at things. He knew how to look at things. And I believe we will learn how to look at things the way Paul looked at things when we grow in our area of prayer, of scripture reading, and of fasting. We are living, we are living in the realm in which Jesus wants us to live. The question is, how do we see it? Does that make sense? We are living in the realm in which Jesus wants us to live. The question is, how do we see it? Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to wait to just let's start the whole book. Let's read the first couple of verses and then you and the Lord take it where it needs to go. Verse one, Paul introduces himself. He goes, I am Paul. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus and I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That one stops me in my track. Paul, with confidence, <laughs> declares his name in which God has given to him with his position in which God has given to him, through his savior in which God has given to him, by the will of God in which God has given to him. Do you see how much confidence Paul has in who he was? He says, I was known as Saul, but I am Paul. I was a persecutor of the church, but I am an apostle. I knew who Jesus Christ was. I saw his resurrection, but I believe in Jesus Christ because he is my savior because of his resurrection. And then he says a statement that I have a feeling all of us have wondered at one time in our life. He says, I'm living the life that I'm supposed to be living because of the will of God. Have you ever longed for the will of God? sat there with God, sat there in the throne room, sat there at the foot of the cross, sat there in a church, sat there in a conversation with a girlfriend, sat there in conversation with a spouse, sat there with conversation of tears dropping down your face saying, God, how is this the will of God? How can I be in the will of God? I know you, God. I know you because of your son, Jesus Christ. I know that the spirit is in me and I know that I'm alive today, but the life that I'm living right now does not seem like the will of God. I want to be in the will of God. Have you ever wanted that? Paul lived it. Paul lived it and we look at it a couple thousand years later and we look back at Paul and we go, oh, Paul lived in the will of God. He had to learn what that looked like. When you read Paul, we, enter, we find him in Acts. If you want to do a study on Paul, that's between you and God. If you want to do a study on Paul, start in the book of Acts. Mm, end of chapter 6. Start there. 
But then you'll want to know where it came in, so read all of six, <laughs> which will introduce you to a man named Stephen, which you'll want to know why Stephen was chosen in the first place, so you'll want to read chapter five and four. <laughs> <laughs> Acts is an amazing book. And it, it truly is what Paul learned. He had to learn who Paul was. He knew who Saul was. He lived Saul. He lived Saul fervently. He lived Saul passionately. And I'm speaking, I know I'm speaking to Bible students. So if there's somebody that has no idea what the book of Acts is and Saul is and Paul is, I truly apologize for speaking overheads. I've had people tell me, you talk over my head. So if that's you, I truly apologize, but just read the book of Acts. You'll learn. To those of us who do know Saul, however, Saul knew Saul through and through. He was passionate about who he was as Saul. And then he became a Christian. And one of my favorite lines that Paul says is, I chose to forget everything so that I can learn Jesus. Everything that he knew as Saul, heart, mind, body, soul, everything that he knew about who he was as a person, he chose to forget it all. The religion, he forgot it all. The law, he forgot it all. His fervency, he forgot it all. His zealousness, he forgot it all for the excellency of the name of Jesus Christ. By the will of God, he says, I, Paul, am an apostle of Jesus. That's confidence. How do we get that? How do we get that? And how do we get that where we are as we are today? Because just like we look at Paul and we think, well, Paul, Paul knew the will of God because we look back at his life. But Paul, when he was living it, had to learn. He says that often. You read through the letter of 1 Corinthians and you see often, I learned, I learned, I learned, I learned. You read his letters to Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and he's constantly learning and learning and learning. And we think, oh, we should know. Ever feel that way? Oh, I've been a Christian for five years. I should know. I've been a Christian for five decades. I should know. And the answer is really, yeah, we should know. How's that for confidence building? The way to know is the way to live, but it's not in what we do. It's not in who we show. It's not in our ministry. It's not in our, our servanthood. It's with Jesus. It's in the throne room. It's in your prayer life. It's in your scripture life. It's in your fasting life. And when those three things become your full communication with God, then every minute of your life, you confidently say, I am in the will of God. How fun to have that confidence. I'm telling you right now in full testimony how fun it is to have that confidence. Last night, I am home alone because I'm married to a hunter and because I'm raising a 17-year-old boy. Those two things means absence. My hunter husband is away my senior and high school boy is away. What is he doing? He's just gone. He's just gone <laughs> all the time. So people are like, are you ready for him to go to college? Are you gonna miss him? I don't know. <laughs> He's just gone. So I'm home alone and my boys are gone. And when my boys are gone for long periods of time, I, I can do by, by myself fine. I, I, I'm a hermit, I can do that just fine. But I miss laughter. 
I, I miss laughter. That's what I've learned. I miss them most when my boys are gone because they both make me laugh all the time. They're both complete and utter dorks. And I laugh all the time. So last night I was really struggling. I'm like, God, like I'm lonely. My husband's away, my son's away. And it's just like this moment, I'm just lonely. So I put on these shows to make me laugh and I'm like, they're not funny. <laughs> so I try other shows and I'm like searching for laughter. Have you ever done that, get stuck in like different apps looking for laughter? And I'm sitting there and contemplating the will of God. And I was telling God, maybe I should just turn this off and get some more writing done. I have t this time I should be writing. I should be working. I should, 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 should. And God's like, maybe you should sit and laugh. I'm like, aw, aw. The will of God, even sitting on your couch with a bowl of popcorn with, FYI, shredded cheese on top. <laughs> <laughs> That came in my own brain. I was so proud of me. That was my gourmet meal. <laughs> highly, highly recommend. I was in the middle of the will of God last night. Me and my popcorn dinner, looking for laughter, completely content and surrounded by my God. Sometimes we think that we can only be in the will of God when we're serving God so severely. And we can only be in the middle of God's will when we're on our knees before the throne of God with our Bibles open and tears down and we're praying with intensity and we're saying, I am in the will of God because I'm before the throne of God and I love my God and my Jesus is my Savior and the Holy Spirit is in me and I can't get enough of this minute and I'm in the will of God. And then we close this and we leave the throne room and we live our life and we're like, oh, I'm not in the will of God anymore because I'm in a car on Eagle Road. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the flesh just come out? <laughs> Do you know the will of God is you being in love with God at all times? When we're in the throne room of God, there is no word to express that. Did you learn that this week? I pray that you did. There's an intimacy that takes place when you're before that throne. There's an intimacy that takes place and it's so personal and so sweet and it's almost too hard to share with another person that level of love between you and between your God. But friend, that's not all of it. When you leave that throne room, do you know that God is leaving with you? That time that you're spending with the word of God, that goes with you. And if it's not, can I say this to every heart that needs to hear this? If you are reading with God, the word of God, and when you close the Bible and you put the Bible down in its place, its proper place in your home for the day, when you put your Bible down and the word of God does not go with you wherever you go, then you're reading the wrong part of the Bible. What you read with your God ought to go with you and your God all day long. Because our Bible reading is not a minute in our life. Our Bible reading is not a 10-minute period in our life. Our Bible reading is not that hour that we spend with the Lord in our life. Our Bible reading is your relationship and your communication with your God all day long. You know, like, so then how do I make it through the book of Leviticus? Don't read Leviticus right now. There was a time in my life that I was going through um, symptoms of multiple sclerosis, and I was in Leviticus. That was with me for a six-month time period in my life. That book overwhelmed my soul. 
There's a time and a season in our life that we need at times and seasons in the Bible. Not all, not all passages of the Bible are meant for all seasons of life. For some of us, Lamentations 3 is the only thing that we can hold on to. For some of us, John, we need John. And we finish the book of John and we're like, I need John. So you read John again and you're like, I need John. John carried me through this season in life, but my schedule tells me I need to read through the Old Testament. No. Why is a man directing your Bible reading? Why isn't God? Matthew 27. In your Love and Power book, you'll see a reference to Mark 15. That's a parallel passage to what we're going to be looking at. And I, we could be looking at Matthew or Mark 15 today, but I just love the book of Matthew. I've been um, studying Matthew again, and um, so I'm just going to stick with, with what I love, if that's okay. And I love Mark, don't get me wrong. But I, have a, I feel like I have a friendship with Matthew, so I'm going to stay, stay here. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, our challenge last week was to enter the throne room of God and spend 24 hours with him, thinking about God for 24 hours. We're going to repeat that challenge this week. For those who are up to it, repeat the 24 hours, and we're going to add to it. 2 Corinthians, and I already changed our Bible passages, um, so just have it in your heart, in your head for a minute, or flip real quick back to 2 Corinthians 1. But we are talking about blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of all comfort. The Father of mercies and of all comfort. And some of us are going to have the personal challenge this week of, what does that mean? Because some of us are word nerds. Anybody else a word nerd? I'm a total word nerd. I want to know the definition of a word. I want to know the meaning of the word. I want to know what it meant in the first century. I want to know what it meant in the 1800s. I want to know what it means today so that I can scoff at it. I change the definitions of words. Anyway, some of us need to do a Bible study, a scripture study, a word study on the word mercy and on the word comfort. Some of us, not all of us. Some of us do. Some of us need to do a heart evaluation. Some of us need to and won't. Some of us need to and will know where you are. Some of us need to do that study of our heart and say, God, this is where I need mercy. This is where I need comfort. Some of us need to stop looking at earth for mercy. It's a hard sentence to say. Some of us need to stop looking at earth for comfort. Because when we start looking at earth and earthly things for mercy and for comfort, we blame God. It's an interesting, interesting circumstance. We read the sentence that Paul declares, you're the God of all mercy and you're the God of all comfort, but God, I've looked for mercy and I've looked for comfort and I haven't found it and it's all your fault. The reason Paul knew who he was as Paul, as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, the reason his confidence came is because he looked at life on earth, he lived his life on earth, but he did, th did that through a heavenly vision. He was constantly in a heavenly vision. He was constantly in a heavenly vision. To the point that when he was being lashed by the same whips that lashed our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we read about in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in John, Paul experienced those same lashings that our Savior, Jesus Christ, experienced. He went through physical hardship 
he did so with a heavenly vision. He says, I know that what I'm going through is for the heavenly soul of those that are around me. Somebody is going to get saved because of this. God, you're the God of all mercy. God, you're the God of all comfort, and I cling to you for what I need. And sometimes and many times, God will bring an earthly person to your way to be like, you need the comfort of God, I'm here. We've experienced that, haven't we? In a moment that we're ready to break, somebody will come over and say, do you need a hug? And you almost don't want it because you know you're going to break. Happened to me after my third miscarriage, standing in a lobby in a church trying to hold it together, hold it together. And some woman was watching me for weeks. She said she was watching me and she noticed I was trying to hold it together because women know, don't we? Women know. And she came over and she wrapped her arms around me and I fell apart on her shoulder. God will give us the comfort when we need the comfort. When we go out looking in the world for comfort, it doesn't work. Have you ever noticed that? We search for it without talking to God about it, and it doesn't work. And instead of blaming the earthly substance, or with, be, instead of blaming the earthly person, we blame God. <sighs> so backward. So as last week as we brought in the heart of God, can we stay bringing in the heart of God? We're going to read a little section of Matthew 27. And if God is saying that this is where we're going to sit in scripture this week is Matthew 27. Sit with God with this passage. But as you sit with Matthew 27 or Mark 15, or if you choose the, the last few chapters of Luke, oh, oh, Luke's perception of Jesus on the cross is so powerful. And John's love for his best friend on the cross is so powerful pick a gospel and spend some time with your Jesus on the cross, will you look at it through the heart of God? Attempt that. We spent time with God this week, spend time with God some more and look at God. What is God? What is God feeling? You cannot give mercy until you can identify with that person who needs mercy. You can't get comfort until you can identify with that person that needs comfort. Our God identified with us, knowing how at mercy we needed, what comfort we needed to the pain of the death of his son on the cross. He experienced such love for you that he could not look at his own son because my sin was on him. What did that feel like? And what were the angels doing? This is a personal question I've been wondering. What were the angels doing during those three hours of darkness? What was creation itself doing during those three hours of darkness? What was Jesus experiencing? during those three hours of darkness. And friend, what was God? What was God feeling? What was his heart? God is an emotional God. He's got, he's, he has emotion. We see this throughout this book. What emotions are coursing through your God so that when we pray like Jesus instructs us to pray, our God who is in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What did that feel like for you, God? What did that feel like? Before you go to God this week and say, God, I need your mercy in this area and I need your comfort in this area. Will you learn what God's mercy look like from his perspective? 
Will you look what his comfort looks like from his perspective? Oh, sweet friend, I pray you see how much God loves you. Oh, just see how much God loves you. Look at Matthew 27. We're going to close by reading, reading scripture. Matthew 27, verse 46. When I picture myself in the throne room of God, I picture myself sitting with my back against the throne. This is my little girl self. I picture myself leaning against his, the arm, like the leg of his chair, curled up holding my knees. That's how I visualized it my whole life. Him sitting behind me. I don't know where you're sitting in that throne, but I pray that you see yourself sitting in the throne room of God. Hear, hear the very heart of your God, the very Father of your Lord Jesus Christ. This is scripture, Matthew 27, verse 45. May I start on 45? It says, now, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is God, your God was hearing those words. Have you ever thought about what God's answer was? What was God's answer? And I wonder how many of us thought of John 3.16 right then and there. Oh, my sweet son, I love the world so much. I love her so much that I'm giving you. I'm giving you for her. You are the answer. Jesus is crying out for the very first time an experience of separation from God, and he's crying out, why? Why is this happening? He knew the will of God for his life, but yet he's crying out in an experience of separation from God, and God's answer is, because I love her, and I don't want to be separated from her any longer. Father God, your heart is so big. Your heart is so big. Oh, Father God, your heart is so in love with us. How do we even respond? Throughout reading the book of Psalms, we see the word Selah. And Father God, that's the only word that's pressed on my heart right now, just to pause and just to worship you as our God, as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sweet Father, if I may ask if there's any, any heart that has never known Jesus and what he did on the cross and what he did in the grave and how he rose again free from sin free from shame free from guilt and all we have to do is say father god i believe in the name of jesus christ i believe jesus died on the cross i believe jesus was buried i believe jesus rose again i believe that he is my way to heaven father god i pray that this sweet woman will pray that and talk to you about that and will receive jesus as her savior right now father god this is my prayer for us who know you I pray that we'll fall in love with your love. Oh, how much you love us. And in that I say, Jesus Christ, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions to womeninseparable at gmail.com.